Hi, filmmakers. Jason Brubaker with Film Making Stuff, where we show you how to make, market, and sell your movie without the middleman. I'm talking to you from sunny Southern California. I'd like to welcome you to the show. Today, I want to talk to you about no-budget filmmaking and the rise of the backyard indie. Like it or lump it, there are a lot of backyard indies being made each year. Thanks to inexpensive production technology, no-budget filmmaking is not only possible, but it has become the norm for many first-time feature filmmakers, web series producers, YouTube artists, and short filmmakers. These days, any filmmaker with passion in a story can make a movie, and unlike years past, backyard indie filmmakers are not just prohibited by cash or creativity. They're just not. Yet despite the no-budget filmmaking movement, many of my high-profile professional friends here in Los Angeles have made a conscious effort to ignore the rise of backyard indies. And why is this? It's because no-budget filmmaking isn't real. Or at least that's what some of the old-school pros would tell you. When it comes to no-budget filmmaking, some common questions asked by these Hollywood hotshots are... Who signed the SAG agreements? Who contacted the unions? Who notified the MPAA? What's your theatrical distribution deal? Where's it at? And who do you think you are to go out there with that camera and make a movie? All right, all right. These are all great questions. But why don't you go back and ask Roger Corman, who seemed to violate all these rules and end up making quite a few movies and help a lot of people get their career started. The thing is, if you create a good movie, your audience doesn't care if the movie was an official union indie or backyard indie or a studio feature. They don't care. They just want to see a really good story. So let's talk about no-budget filmmaking and the rise of the backyard indie. The demise of traditional DVD distribution, coupled with a growing market domination of iTunes, Amazon, Netflix, Hulu, all of these available outlets have leveled the playing field. The big difference between a $10,000 backyard indie and a $2 million indie isn't the budget. The difference revolves around the film that gets the most eyeballs and the most sales. So I want you to think about it. Hitting break-even on a $2 million feature is going to require a lot of sales. A rough example to recoup a $2 million film in order to do that, the filmmaker is going to need to sell roughly 200,000 video on-demand downloads at $10 a pop. And these first sales, what they're going to do is they're going to cover the 40% cost allocated to the video on-demand providers, which, let's face it, these are the real winners here, after which the filmmaker is still going to need to sell an additional 200,000 downloads to repay the investors. So if you were to do math, and I don't expect you to be a math nerd, but if you want to, you would write down 400,000 video on demand downloads times $10 equals $4 million minus the $2 million in video on demand fees, and that's going to equal the, in the initial $2 million. So through no budget filmmaking, if you were to compare it to that $2 million indie, the backyard indie only has to sell 2,000 video-on-demand downloads to recover the initial $10,000 cost. Now, nobody wants to make movies for pocket change. It can be downright dangerous, especially if you're trying to attempt things that you're not qualified to do. But there's a lot of filmmakers out there that believe that we can somehow continually produce unprofitable movies and expect the money 
and the subsequent jobs to keep rolling in. Unlike years past, filmmakers can no longer approach investors with the old cliche pitch, filmmaking is a risky investment. If we're lucky, we might make Sundance. We might get into Sundance. We might get a deal. Gosh, everything these days is transparent. Distribution is transparent. Distribution is a commodity. Distribution is accessible. I keep saying this, and sooner or later, I think people are going to believe it because it's true. With transparent distribution options available to all filmmakers, the line of give me the money reasoning when you go to an investor for these kinds of things, promising the dream of Sundance, that kind of reasoning is reckless. In most cases, it's no longer applicable. And in my opinion, depending on how you play it, it can be really unethical. For these reasons, no budget filmmaking makes a lot of sense. Aside from the initial challenge of sales and marketing, the ripple effect reveals that there's an even greater conundrum. And here it is. How are you going to raise enough money to pay your cast and crew and at the, still, at the same time pay back your investors? I mean, with everything kind of changing the way that it is and everything's going video on demand and movies can be made for pocket change, where's the new sweet spot to create a viable business, to employ people, to give people jobs? Can you hear a truck going by outside? I, I really um, I enjoy keeping these things you know, conversational and I love talking to you. Uh, I'm just going to wait for this truck to go by. Yep, just waiting for that truck to go by. Okay, let me get back on to what I was talking about here. So here's here's what I'm talking about. If you're, if you're out there, what, what we're experiencing right now is the equivalent of what happens when sweatshop labor starts producing compa- comparable goods at less and less value. How can you make independent filmmaking profitable with so many backyard entities flooding the market? How can you raise enough money to pay for your cast and crew? And what are you going to do to solve this problem? So I want to share with you, I'm going to propose with you as an entrepreneurial, from one entrepreneurial filmmaker to another, let me give you a modern movie making model that might just help you, help me, help us save the independent movie industry. And I bet you thought this was going to be your typical no budget filmmaking podcast. Well, it's not. Here's what I'm thinking. To survive in this ever-changing world of independent filmmaking, we are going to have to change our strategy. So instead of focusing on merely making that one awesome independent film, what we got to do is we got to focus on building a genre-specific movie library, and we got to be spending all of our downtime building a ginormously targeted email list. You hear me talk about all this all the time, but your audience is your real business. Without an audience, you have no business. So step number one, find your top 10 closest filmmaking collaborators. Collaborators, is that a word? Find your, <laughs> find your top 10 closest filmmaking collaborators and get together and form a company. That's step number one. Step number two is write a business plan. But instead of putting all of your focus on merely making one movie, Concentrate on making three to five feature films. Concentrate on making three to five feature films. Step number three, make sure that you include a sales and marketing plan for each movie. To do this, take your proposed budget for all of your movies and then work backwards. Start asking yourself, how many units do we need to sell in order to recoup our investment? Step number four, 
In this model, instead of paying freelance day rates, come together with your team and either create a collaborative environment or come up with a way to hire long-term employees and provide each with a salary and back-end points, sort of like stock options on each title. And if you need some help, what I just described in step number four is what I'm really telling you is to create your own mini movie studio where you develop, produce, and sell your product. Your product is your movie. And step number five, when the title wins, you all win. When one movie hits, you all hit. So over the years, your titles are going to add up. And the real compensation is going to come back in the form of residual movie income for the value of your entire library. And I know that what I just described is not a fully refined model. I've been talking about some variation of this model since 2010, but it's a start. What I just described is a start. And creating a sustainable business model for independent filmmaking is a heck of a lot better than ignoring no-budget filmmakers and pretending that backyard indies are not a reality and they're not real movies. We are experiencing a time of change. This is the independent movie distribution equivalent of the automobile replacing the horse-drawn wagon. So as an independent entrepreneurial filmmaker, you can choose to ignore this movement and you can probably succeed for a few more years. But there will come a day when all entertainment will be on demand and cheap to produce and cheap to consume. So the question is, the question for you is this. Are you going to ignore the no-budget filmmaking movement and continue to play your distribution lottery ticket in hopes of winning the dream deal? Or will you, as an entrepreneurial filmmaker, join the movement and help us, fig us filmmakers figure out a way to make independent filmmaking profitable for all of us? If you've liked this podcast, you'll probably love some of my uh, professional filmmaking tools. Go to MakeYourMovieNow.com. That's MakeYourMovieNow.com. And you'll see all the stuff that I put together. I really appreciate you taking some time out of your schedule to listen to this. I know this one was a little bit more thought-provoking than some of the more how-to stuff that I post. But I believe that this, coming up with a solution to make a filmmaking a sustainable business for all of us, well, that's a great effort. So take action, no matter where you're at in the world. Take action, pick up a camera, and make your movie now. I'll talk to you real soon.